This morning we're, we're looking at a psalm that asks a question which it cuts to the core of who we are. How you answer this question, well, it changes what you do, changes how you think about yourself, and it changes how you think about the future. This is a question, what is man? Not just men, but who are we? What does it mean to be human? Are we special in any way? And if so, why? Well, people have tried to answer this question throughout the ages, and I reckon that today there's kind of two main answers that people give. The first is the view of science. It's not as common anymore, but people will say, well, there was a big bang and some atoms came out of that, and well, some of those atoms, they became rocks, and others eventually turned into people. We're not really different to anything else. We're just an accident. And if we're an accident, well, then humans aren't special. No one made us. We don't have a purpose. We're just here for a time, and then we're gone. And so the answer to the question, what is man, is not much. It's a depressing view of humanity, but that's what some people think. The second answer says that people are special. They can't exactly say why, but it feels like there's something special about being human. You feel it, right? You can think. You can choose what you want to be. You're special. You get to decide your purpose, and that means you must be celebrated because you're special, and no one has the right to tell you who you are or what you can do. It's a pretty appealing view. But what does God have to say about this question? What is God's answer to the question, what is man? Well, that's what Psalm 8 is all about, so let's get stuck in and have a look. We're at point one, if you want to be keeping notes, point one, God's glory. This psalm starts by telling us about God's glory, and it finishes the same way as well, which seems kind of weird, right? If if the question's about who are we, why does it start by telling us about God? Well, it's because the psalmist knows that it's only by knowing God that we can know who we are. It's only by knowing who God is that we can know who we are. God is the beginning and the end of all things. Everything comes from him. He defines everything, and so it's right to start with him before we can think about us. So what do we see about God in Psalm 8? We'll have a look. Verse 1 and 2. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you've established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. We're told three things about God. We're told about his majesty, his glory, and his strength. Verse 1, we're told that his majestic name fills the earth. When you look around the earth, you can see the majestic character of God in everything. It's amazing. And not just on the earth. See, the earth can't contain his glory because his glory reaches higher than the heavens. God is supremely glorious. Which then makes it seem strange when you get to verse 2. See, The universal glory of God in verse 1 isn't recognized by everyone in verse 2. And the ones who do recognize it aren't those who you'd expect. See, this God whose glory is higher than the heavens, his great strength, which silences all his enemies, is told by babies. It seems kind of weird, right? Babies can't really say anything. Uh, You might be thinking about your child right now, and you might be thinking, well, Sometimes what my child testifies to is the fact that there's sin in the world, not God's glory. But his point is that 
God has chosen the weak, the lowly, and the insignificant things to testify about him. Not the clever, not the wise, not the important. You don't have to be smart to figure out who God is. You don't have to be clever to know God. And that's great news for us. You might not feel smart enough to know God. Maybe English is your second language and you find it a bit hard to understand what's happening at church or when I speak really quickly. Let me tell you, you're smarter than me. I've tried to learn a second language. It's really hard. But the good news is you don't have to be smart to know God. In fact, the New Testament says being smart can make it harder. Jesus, he quotes this bit of Psalm 8 in Matthew 21. It's just after he enters Jerusalem and Jesus gets there and there's children who see Jesus and they sing praises to him. They get who he is and they know God when they see him. But the religious leaders, the the clever, the important people, they get angry at the children. They tell them off. And Jesus turns to these leaders and he says, Have you never read, out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise? God's made it so that even children can know him. You don't have to be smart to figure out God, who God is. Anyone can testify to God's glory and strength. That's the kind of greatness our God has. See, there's a kind of greatness that comes from drawing on the praise of other significant people. It's a greatness that needs the praise of other great ones to give you a greater sense of who you are, to kind of back up your greatness. And it often comes from really a lack of greatness or or an insecure greatness. But that's not our God. His greatness is so extraordinary that he ordains praise from the lips of infants and insignificant ones. He doesn't need other great ones to lend their weight to him. No, God is the glorious one. He's the one whose majestic name fills the earth, whose glory is higher than the heavens. What a great God we have. And so now David, uh, the author of this psalm, turns to start thinking about who we are. And he starts by looking at the glory of what God has made. So we're at point two, creation's glory. And David, he, he does something that all of us have done at some point, unless you've grown up in the eastern suburbs, where all you can see are planes at night, not stars. But uh, he looks up at the night sky and he's completely blown away. Have a look at verse 3. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place. I learned a little bit about uh, the universe and science getting ready for this. Apparently, there's 100 billion stars in the universe. That's crazy. And and the stars we can see are probably already dead because it takes millions of years for the light to get here. Can you imagine how powerful those lights must be to travel that far? Um, Have you ever like turned on your iPhone light and blinded yourself with it? It's blinding when I shine this light in my eyes, but when I hold it out, it doesn't even reach the back of church. You can't see it, but trust me, it doesn't. God's universe is massive and powerful. Have a look at this little video while I tell you a bit more about our galaxy. Our galaxy, which includes kind of all the planets, the the stars and the sun, our galaxy is one of 100 billion galaxies that we know about. God's universe is incredible and infinitely bigger than I can imagine. And when you realize that, you all of a sudden realize how puny we are. We can feel insignificant. Have you ever felt that? 
like you're tiny, unimportant, that you're worthless, because you're a tiny speck in a city, in a country, on an earth, in a solar system, which is in a galaxy of a hundred billion other galaxies. Have you ever felt like that? Do you feel the weight of it now? Because David does. That's the question he asks. He says, when I look at your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. What is man? What is this tiny species of humans in comparison to the universe? How can we mean anything? Lots of people will say we're nothing. We're not special. We have no purpose. But what does God say? We're at point three on your outline. Man's glory. What is man? Well, Psalm 8 tells us three things. People are created with glory for a purpose. Man is created with glory for a purpose. Have a look at verse 5. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands and you've put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. What is man? Well, firstly, man is created. David says, you made him. We are created beings. We're not the creator. We're bits of clay that someone else has made. And because we're created and not the creator, someone else has the right to tell us what to do. It means that the view of people today, the one that says, well, we can choose what we want to do and no one has the right to tell me otherwise, that view must be wrong. Someone does have the right to tell us what to do. That's what it means to be created and not the creator. An artist gets to choose what his artwork is for. The created thing doesn't get to choose for itself. The creator has authority over the created thing. We're made by someone else. And knowing that radically changes how we think about ourselves. I'm not the boss. I'm not the king. That's the first thing. Humans are created by God. But if we're just one created thing in a universe with 100 billion galaxies, what is our place? Surely we're insignificant and we can't matter. Well, the second thing we're told is we're created with glory, verse 5. Yet you've made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. Humans have the most special place out of everything God's made. Isn't that incredible? Out of a hundred billion galaxies, you're at the top. Just by being made as a human, you are crowned with glory and honor. When we look at the stars at night, we shouldn't only think how small are we, we should think, wow, God has made me with more glory than everything I can see. How does that make you feel? You are not worthless. You're not insignificant. Scientists say you have no value, but God says you matter deeply. Isn't that amazing? That's the second thing Psalm 8 tells us. We're, we're created by God and we're made with glory and honor. But is there any purpose to it all? What does it mean for my life to be human? Well, God says that he made you to rule. 
Have a look at verse 6. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet. Your purpose in life is to rule over everything God made. That's why he made you with glory above everything else. See, you don't get glory by achieving things. We've been created with glory to achieve something for God, to rule over everything under him. God's handiwork given to us. What's our purpose? To rule over God's way in the way he intends. So what is man? We are created with glory for a purpose. And this has got stacks of application for us. I'm just going to talk about two things. The first is guard yourself against the lie that you don't matter. So many people feel like they don't matter, like they don't have value, and it's crippling. Even amongst Christians, we can sometimes feel this way. Maybe you felt that way before. It's important to know that you matter deeply. God made you worth something. From the tiniest baby to the oldest person to the sickest person, both physically and mentally, you're not a cosmic accident. You're not valued according to how much you can contribute. You have inherent worth given by the God of all glory. You matter. But sometimes we can struggle to believe that, can't we? Have you ever felt like that? We can feel worthless when we're not good at our job or if you don't have a job. We can feel like worthless if we don't achieve things or if you feel like, you know, I'm not attractive, no one likes me, whatever it is for you. At times, all of us feel like we don't matter. It happens. And so how do we guard ourselves against that lie? Well, we have to talk to ourselves and not listen to ourselves. We have to talk to ourselves and not listen to ourselves. That is, we have to actively tell ourselves what's true rather than listen to some of the things that we think are true because sometimes what our thoughts tell us are wrong. And it's not easy to do because Satan wants us to believe that we don't matter. But in those times, we need to talk to ourselves, not listen to ourselves. That's what the Psalms actually often do. Psalm 8, David is asking this question, how, how can humans possibly matter? And he answers himself by telling himself the truths of God on loop. And the more and more you tell yourself what's true from God's word, the easier it'll get to believe. That's the first thing. Guard yourself against the lie that you don't matter. The second application is really just the other side of the same coin. Recognize that your value comes from God, not your achievements. Uh, this is something that I find hard. I often find my value in the fact that I'm good at things. You know, I can be good at sport. I can play music. I have friends. I can achieve things when I put my mind to it. Now, they're not bad things in themselves, but when I feel that my value comes from them, that's why I'm worthwhile, well, then I've misdirected my, where my worth and value comes from. My value comes from God. It's always given to me. It doesn't come from within me. Is that you? You don't struggle with feeling worthless, but deep down, you know your worth comes from your achievements. If that's you, then how do we rejoice in the glory that God gives us rather than the glory we try to give ourselves? Well, again, the answer is to talk to yourself, not listen to yourself. Remind ourselves daily that our worth comes from God. There's nothing you can do to make yourself more valuable than you are right now. 
When you wake up in the morning, praise God for his glory and thank him that he's given someone as small as you glory and honor, even though you don't deserve it. That's the second application. Remember your value comes from God, not your achievements. So this is Psalm 8's picture of humanity. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Created with glory for a purpose. God's second in command, perfectly ruling over his creation. But is that what we see when we look around? Frankly, no. We can barely rule anything properly, not ourselves, not our family, not our world. In fact, we're the ones who are ruled. We're ruled by sin, ruled by sickness, Satan, brokenness and death. The things that we're meant to rule actually rule us. So what is Psalm 8 actually describing? Because it can't be this world, can it? Well, Hebrews 2 helps because it quotes this psalm and the writer realizes the same problem. Have a look at the screen. Hebrews 2 quotes this psalm and then it says this next, verse 8. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, him being mankind. The writer's looking around and he doesn't see it either. Where is this authority that mankind is meant to have? He can't see it. Have a look at the next line, verse 9. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus. Hebrews 2 says that Psalm 8 should describe us, but it doesn't. He says it actually describes Jesus. We're at point four, Jesus' glory. See, Jesus is the one who was made lower than the angels for a time. He's the one who ruled everything perfectly. The wind, waves, sickness and death all under his authority. He received glory and honor through his death. Uh, Verse 14 of Hebrews says that through his death, he destroyed sin, death, and Satan, the things that rule us. So that verse 10, he can bring many sons to glory. Psalm 8 is about the place of mankind in creation, what it means to be truly human. Uh, It describes what humans are meant to be. God's plan for humanity where people would live in glory with him and rule forever. But because of the fall, that picture is polluted. The ones who are meant to rule over everything are actually ruled over by the things themselves. And so while this psalm is meant to describe us, it actually only describes perfectly one man, God who became the perfect man in Jesus. So what does this mean for us? Well, it means that the only way we can be truly human, the only way that we can be the people that God created and purposed us to be is to be united to Jesus, the perfect human. We can only become what man is meant to be through Jesus because being united to Jesus gives us the perfect version of everything that Psalm 8 tells us. See, Psalm 8 tells us that humans, to be human is to be created. But being united to Jesus means that we're a new creation, even better than the first. Psalm 8 says that God made us with glory and honor. But Hebrews 2 says that Jesus brings us a share in his glory, an even greater glory. And Psalm 8 says that to be human is to rule over God's world. Being united to Jesus means that we share in his perfect rule eternally. And so what is man? 
where we can only become the true expression of what God purposed for humanity if we're united to Jesus. Do you see? Being united to Jesus gives us all the things in Psalm 8, but on an even better level. Psalm 8's picture of humanity is awesome, but with Jesus, it's like that picture on steroids. So two questions. The first is, are you united to Jesus? Are you united to Jesus? Because that is our ultimate purpose. There's nothing better than being united to Jesus. It's what you've been made for. And Because if you're not, then your glory won't last forever. It's true that God made you with glory in this world, but if you're not united with Jesus, then you'll experience shame in eternity. So how do you know if you're united with Jesus? Or how do you get united with Jesus if you know that you're not? Romans 10 tells us that anyone who calls on the name of Jesus, anyone who says yes to Jesus, who says, thank you, Jesus, that you died for me, that person is united with him. If you're someone who's tuned in today who hasn't said yes to Jesus, it's great that you've tuned in. I can't wait to actually see you at church. We love you so much that we want to say, don't put this off. Don't sit on the fence. There's nothing more important you can do than to say yes to Jesus today. If you want to know more, please write something on your Connect card. Rod's going to tell you about it in a sec. We'd love to chat with you more about that. Are you united to Jesus? That's the first question. The second question is, are you growing in your humanity? That's, that's a weird question, but what I mean is, if Psalm 8 is the picture of what God has made you to be, then every battle of sin is actually a battle against something that demeans you, that corrupts you, that actually makes you less human in a sense. Sin makes you express less and less the picture of humanity that God has made you and saved you for. So pursue godliness and Christ-likeness because when you do, you're actually pursuing tr true humanity. You're becoming the person God made you to be. So what is man? What does it mean to be human? Psalm 8 says we're created with glory for a purpose. But we can only have those things in their fullest sense through Jesus. In him we're a new creation. In him we share in his glory. In him we share in his rule. Isn't that a better answer than what the world tells us? Isn't it a far better answer than the depressing view of science? Isn't it far better than trying to give ourselves purpose and give ourselves glory? We're a new creation in Jesus. We share in his glory and we share in his rule over all things. Let me pray. Father, thank you so, so much. Father, we recognize that you are the God of all glory. Your glory fills all things higher than the heavens. Father, this world is not about us. It is about you. Help reorient us to be people who are centered on you. Father, it blows us away that we are so small. We're so insignificant, so unimportant in the scheme of the universe, and yet you care for us. You are mindful of us. You've created us with glory to share in your rule. Father, thank you. Father, we're sorry that we don't live out 
what it truly means to be human on our own, that we sin, that we rule imperfectly. Father, thank you for sending Jesus, the perfect one. Thank you that in him we can be who you made us to be, what you made us for. We pray that we would live it out. We pray we would know that our value comes from you and not from ourselves. Uh, Father, we're just blown away and thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, Roger's going to come up and continue leading us in prayer.